BGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 680, recorded on March 31st, 680th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast, the 513th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I'm TJ Denson. I'm Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Yeah, so um, we've had a big gap here because uh, I've been working on a movie, a sequel to a movie that had an Oscar-winning actor in it, so I really can't talk about it, NDA and all that. Cool. But it was uh, three nights overnight, and it's just torturous, especially since it was cold and I was wearing short sleeves shirt. But I'm done with it now, so I made my money, and now I can head off to Las Vegas, which is why you won't hear us next week. Huh. Yeah, that's awesome. You've been uh, you've been on a lot of uh, projects lately. Well, I need to make that money somehow, so let's move on to what you've been playing. I'll start first. I've been playing MLB The Show. Um, it's okay. They made a few tweaks. I just wish uh, Road to the Show wasn't so dry, and I'm going to have to wait until they give away free uh, 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 you know, virtual currency so that I can make my player a little bit, you know, get some new cards for him, but on the other hand, it's fine. Yeah, you uh, you were a hugely not fond of the monetization that they put in the game recently. Well, the thing is that it's a lot less predatory than NBA 2K23. Uh, That's good. But um, I also played another game, and it was kind of disappointing. Um, it was released yesterday. It was another shock release, you know, that told no one about it. But it's an indie game. It's not like a Hi-Fi Rush. It's Infinite Guitars. And even though it's a Humble Bundle game... I don't know. It's a lot of people have noted it's uh, kind of sloggy. It's it's missing some. And if you're gonna do a rhythm game, don't put it on the A X Y buttons. That's just torturous. Mm. Put it on the A B Y at least. More people are able to do that than A X Y. Although you know, I, I wonder if uh, anybody has a Rock Band Four guitar that they'll use with it. But the problem with that is it's not only a rhythm game. There's very there's some rhythm in it, but it's also uh, Zelda-ish. It has the over-top, over-the-top, um, you know, world exploring and battling, and it has turn-based battles. It has so many things in it. They should have just checked, uh, stuck with one, with one thing and left it there. They try to do too much. I will say, you know, if there is a sequel that's Better developed. I might take a I might take a look at it again. So, what have you been playing, TJ? I've still been working on Octopath Traveler. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, Octopath Traveler Two. Have you, Scott? Um, yes, I'm getting down to the. I, I finished two characters' uh, uh, stories, and uh, most of the others are in the chapter four and five. So I'm um, I'm getting I think closer to finishing the game. You know, I just picked up Particio in the game, and uh, he's like uh, his his bit is he's a merchant, 
Uh, he can he can hire people to join him in fights and stuff. And uh, good golly, he is a a mayonnaise sandwich with a side of warm skim milk. Just the most blandest, <laughs> the most blandest, happy-go-lucky himbo I have ever seen. And I, I have, I've seen in an RPG in a long time. I should like him. I mean, he's he he wants to make the world a better place. He just uh, I don't know. There's some people that really like his uh, southern accent, and he uh, just has like a good work ethic, and it's just he's just really innocent person. You know, some of the stuff he doesn't even uh, seem to be aware of is happening, and he's just he's just a very innocent person. It's it's interesting too because like I I was curious so I switched on the Japanese voices for him and he sounds so smooth and charismatic in the in his Japanese voice his English voice is like well I'm a darn tootin' wrecking Mister Oswald <laughs> and I'm just like Patricia shut up please he, he reminds me of a Jeff Foxworthy joke you don't want your surgeon to go all right now here what we're gonna do here now. <laughs> That was some nifty magic you used there, Mr. Oswald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what the Japanese think is smooth with Americans is. I know. And it's like that guy, that guy, he is, he's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. Out of all these like cool fantasy fiction characters, Particio is like rootin' tootin' cowboy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, the, the, the place that they're set looks like a, cowboy setting so yeah. i kind of can't blame him i guess yeah still a good game still great music his his area uh the oars rush music like the area outside of the of his uh town has, is pre- is maybe some of my favorite music in the game Mm-hmm. that game soundtrack is just incredible i need to get that soundtrack onto my computer oh, yeah somehow. me too i agree have you been playing resident evil 4 too Oh yeah, I play that game like pretty much. I've been I was making guides for it for like two weeks, so I know that game inside out, back and forth, front to back, on every difficulty, and uh, it's still fun. I I very much enjoy it, and I'm glad that other people are finally getting to enjoy it too. Oh, that reminds me, there's another game I can now talk about because the uh, embargo's off. It's been off since the 28th, and that's Death Roads Tournament. It is fun. Um, basically, it's a uh, collectible card game, except it's uh, Mad Max, the Road Warrior, or Car Wars. And basically, you play cars to make your cars do certain things. Sometimes your car will skid, and it'll play va- uh, random cards that might actually destroy you if you're not careful. Uh, it, it's a real fun game. It's uh, cheap, too. It's a, it's an indie game. It is – how much is it on? It is uh, – thir- oh, $15. Except uh, it has 10% off until April 4th. It's really worth a look. Death Road's tournament. Nice. How about you, uh, Scott? What have you been playing besides Octopath Traveler? I've also been playing uh, Trials to Azure. That came out. Uh, I have that, too. I'm not going to play it because I haven't played all the other hundreds of games yeah, before. Yeah, <laughs> Azure, Azure, Azure is probably the worst one to jump into to, to start the Trials series. You want to either start with Charles and Sky first chapter or Cold Steel uh, one. Those are probably the better starting points if you're going to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, the Charles of Your 
continues the crossbell arc, you know, pretty much a couple months after the events of that game. And uh, the city, uh, like the, the game expands a lot of things. You you get a car uh, and, and you get to use that to drive around a little bit so you can fast travel more. Uh, you have uh, more access to certain areas in the game that you didn't have access to in the previous one. Um, they've expanded the uh, the uh, orbments because in Cold Steel you get this master quartz, and so in Azure they introduced that concept. So some of the stuff that you see in Cold Steel was introduced in uh, Trials of Azure, and uh, the Azure story gets really noir, I think. Um, with the, like the detective kind of stuff and the, um, the, the intensity, I think. Uh, so it's, it's really a good chapter of uh, the trial series. Yeah. One about a billion. I mean, <laughs> what about uh, what? One, uh, one of about a billion stories in the, uh, in the, in the games in that series. Oh yeah. There's, yeah. A lot of chapters <laughs> and it's ongoing. Anyways, we're going to move on to quick news. Um, first things first, obviously, uh, E3 has been canceled. So um, I'm still going to L.A. because E3 was just going to be a side trip for me, you know, just to meet industry friends. Um, not to we already talked about in the last episode that Microsoft was not going to have a was not going to be on the floor. I think the last straw was that Ubisoft pulled itself from the floor. So they basically had not enough people to do it. Um, and here's the thing. E3 still doesn't get it. Um, all you have to do is get someone from Gamescom and ask them how they do it. And how they can convince people to uh, come to their – see, one thing E3 needs to bring back are the mid-level mid developers, not the indie developers. They've always had them in their little you know, circle there. No, I mean people like – they need to have more of, say, uh, Team 17 having a booth, a big booth, not just some, you know, some little thing, uh, humble games, and then they have to incentivize – the larger publishers to come, you know, one of the things they should do is they should talk to Los Angeles and have them uh, subsidize some of the uh, some of the booths for the major major people, so that they don't spend as much but still have people there. Because and move it to a place that's not like one of the most expensive cities in the United States right now. <laughs> Los Angeles isn't that expensive if you know where to go. Come on. Yeah, but the Los Angeles Convention Center is super expensive. Yeah, but the thing is, Los Angeles could can subsidize about, it. Like from an, Los Angeles can subsidize E3 if they. What I'm saying is, if they. What I'm saying is that like there there are other cities in the United States that aren't massively expensive like LA is. Yeah, but they're not as good. See, that's the problem. I would mm-hmm. love to see if they went to the Javits Center. That's never going to happen, but <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, the thing about LA is that it has. Um, it has more facilities to handle this than other cities do because uh, like Microsoft used to have UCLA. I'm sorry, not UCLA, USC. Uh, they used to use their theater for the, uh, for the press briefings. And that's the other thing is that, you know, there it's just too cost effective just to release trailers and say, that's it. It's not, it's not a show. That's not a show. I remember back in the day, um, I say I was covering a uh, civilization beyond earth. I would go to the to the uh, appointment. Dennis Shirk would be there. 
he'd show us all these things that's going on, all the mechanics and all the, uh, you know, and why they did it. And then afterwards, I could interview him, you know, face to face and ask him about certain things and he could answer them for me. Then when they showed Civilization Six, here's a 13 minute trailer. Sit down. Enjoy. Get out. Mm -hmm. That's it. Why? I could have stayed home for that. What was interesting is E3, at least this year, got it in a, little, a small way in which that the first two days were just for industry and press. That's it. The third and fourth days would involve the public, and the fourth day would be public only. You know, well, press would be there too, but it would just be all for the games. And I think a lot of people would just be satisfied to go there and go to ranks of booths, demoing games that are going to be released in the next year, you know, demos for games. You know, just to just to get a taste, just to go there and get a taste. So, I mean, it was fun. I mean, I remember being there when uh, Middle Earth, uh, Middle, uh, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor was being shown off there. I was taking photographs, and the guys from the development team remembered me because of the photos I took there. You know, it was it was a great way to meet people. I mean, when uh, by the time TJ went to his first one, it had already been you know. On its downside, but I remember the shock on his face when I introduced him to the lead developer of uh, Rainbow Six uh, Siege. You know, it's like he just said, holy shit. <laughs> the, I'm actually talking to the people who make these games. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to miss it. I like I I was talking to this with about this with my colleagues. There's nothing really like E3 and there isn't going to be really anything like e3 GD, gdc is not like e3 pax is not like e3 yeah. and jeff and jeff fest is definitely not like e3 like and for good reason like he pivoted to something that works yeah but i don't think we need a e3 replacement we just need a platform to, they tried an e3 replacement remember e for all <laughs> yeah. i mean just just having a platform where they can organize uh these game announcements and especially when they're small <sighs> yeah they see the companies say why do that when we could just show a video and That's it's I mean. not it's not the same it's not the same but you get uh, more um pull more attention for their uh, games yeah i i like I, I i think i think the crux of the situation is that like once it started being open to the public it complicated things so much more Here's E3 was a trade. E3 yeah. was a trade event. It was about doing interviews, making connections, sharing coverage, and that's that. But I guess that, but like that doesn't make money. So then they started selling tickets, and I, I, missed, I missed when when they introduced Skylanders. It was like a huge event on the show floor. You had these life-size monsters coming out of the uh, stage and blowing smoke every 15 minutes. It was it was an event, you know. Here's the thing. What E3 should do is talk to the people at Gamescom and say, how do you do it? And then just copy whatever they do. Gamescom keeps uh, keeps the press section extremely separated from the from the public section. And I love that. It was so easy to do my work when I was at Gamescom. Yeah, but they also convinced they also convinced major companies to go there, spend their money. And this is in friggin Germany. It's not the United States. So the uh, people in the U.S. press have to fly over to Germany to do this stuff. Yeah, but the big difference is that when I had to do that at E3 during both years of yeah. which the public wasn't was allowed, I had to push through like people and lines and, and people and were move running around and just running and, the, it's like and if people were like, "Where are you going?" I'd be like, "I'm pressed. I got to I got to get an appointment. Sorry, I'm not trying to catch you." 
I'm just trying to get my appointment. Yeah. It's it was it was manic, chaotic, and difficult. I remember Bethesda treated me like a god. <laughs> it was fun. I just I just I just think that PJ gets me a mug. E3 <laughs> should not E3 like if you're gonna do like a press event, then separate the press from the public areas where like it's not so hard to operate. And also, the public gets frustrated too because they say because uh, they want to do something. They say, "Nope, sorry, press only." So what yeah, did I spend a hundred dollars for? You're there to, and they should they what they need to do, like I said, is have loads and loads and loads of um you know uh, consoles and PC rigs ready to demo stuff for people. Have them do you know some major esports things at E3, you know, and ha- it, that'll satisfy the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Reed Pop still seems like they're on board, and it still seems like they're going to try to do something. They, they, in their official statement, they mentioned "quote unquote" future E3 events. Yeah, you can't trust that though. Future E3 events that 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 that's hot air. You have to find out what they're actually going to do. What's interesting is that game and games industry biz, which does did that interview, are actually associated with E3 and and ESA. So that was the official. That was the official lines that they were giving. We shall see. Um, but like I said, I was only going to the C3 because I wanted to spend some time in Los Angeles. Now I no longer have that distraction, so I'm gonna have I'm gonna do some more in Los Angeles. We'll see. We'll see. I, yep. I feel I feel bad for people who wanted to go to E3 this year, but um, I have been going to PAX East. By the way, I, I went to PAX Unplugged because board games are my thing. That's for my fun. But I haven't really done PAX East in a while. It'll be interesting to see how many video games are depicted. I mean, PAX East has a few video games, not that many, but they have some of the stuff that I've really enjoyed, like Rugo. Boy, that's dating me. That was like in, what, 2013, maybe? Hmm. Anyways, uh, moving on. Um Resident Evil 4 has a funny Easter egg that lets you skip the first major fight. So, as anybody who's played Resident Evil 4, uh, the first thing that you do is you enter a town where everybody's speaking Spanish, and then just the entire town attacks you. And then, oh god, what was his name? Raul? I forgot his name. Who, who's that crazy Spanish character that you meet? I forgot his name. Luis or Ramon or... You know, the guy who you meet during the during the siege kind of a bit of another well, anyways he uh rings the bell and that makes all of the uh all the towns all the crazy townspeople just stop well oh in the original it's ada that rings the bell no oh yeah well someone rings the bell and it makes them stop so in the remake you can ring the bell yourself if in a sniper rifle you, you hit the bell they stop fight they stop attacking and it's like you just skip that entire thing because you pacify him immediately <laughs> Yes, and uh, it's a very clever thing too, because like it's not like you can use that as a skip on regular games. You don't get the sniper rifle until you get to the first merchant, which is well after the village fight. So that is specifically something that you would never discover unless you played it on New New Game Plus. Or you, you're very good shot with a revolver. I wonder if you can do it with the yeah, pistol, you can because like you can do it the pistol. The pistol is very inaccurate in that game. You just need to get close enough. That's all. It's super far away. You have to do it from like a. Well, no, I mean, you can do it anywhere in town, though. So long as you get in town, 
you know, you may have to fight, but once you ring the bell yourself, that's it. It's over. Yeah, but like it's ridiculously hard to do with a pistol, yeah. especially when you're being attacked by a bunch of dudes at the same time. Uh, next news item: Microsoft stops the one dollar Game Pass trial. Uh, it's evaluating different different marketing promotions, and yeah, um, I can understand why because a lot of people, you know, just time when they're going to do the one pass game trial to play that one game they want to really try on, on Game Pass, and they just stop. You know, they don't do any more of the trial. It's fine. It was a it was it was a promotion. The promotion is over. They'll just figure out a new promotion. You're just gonna have a lot of people are disappointed that they can't use it as a as a uh, dodge now. Just play that one game for for three months and then stop. Yeah. Um. Wait. This is the PSVR two news. No. This is the Microsoft stops one dollar Game Pass trial. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. It was a cool way to discover the thing and see if you liked it or not. I thought that it was a great way to do it, and it was a very low-risk way to do it. And I wonder what changed for Microsoft to be like... Too many people were doing the $1 and then not keeping with the oh, situation. Oh, that's probably right. Yeah. And keep in mind, it was for the it, it, Game Pass Ultimate. It included a PC Game Pass, so... Yeah, because it was like $1 trial for Ultimate, wasn't it? Yeah, for three months. What a very interesting thing. And and it was a cool way to see if it was for you. But I guess people ruin good things when they get greedy. Yeah, I mean, but you know what? People know what Game Pass is. It's no, you no longer need any enticement like that. You just do it. I guess so. Um, I'm interested to see what they mean by different marketing promotions. Like, will we see something like... Like getting discounts off of uh, cards for it before, but... Uh, or or maybe still... if you buy Mountain Dew, you may get a code. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Sony slashes PlayStation VR 2 output after weak pre-orders. Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's the wrong news item. Uh, this was the uh, – I don't know how that happened. Um, I, so I, Destiny, I, I, 2, I, Destiny, Destiny 2 uh, is finally going out, and now players have access to nearly all the game's content, including outfits, emotes, takedowns, and nameplates, plus a special founder's gift for everyone who earned at least one achievement or a trophy by April 1st. Uh, not Destiny 2, um, Marvel's Avengers. That's the game that's doing this. Oh, Marvel's okay. Avengers was a failure, but, you know, I mean, it wasn't a total failure. I tried it because it was in Game Pass, and it's like, eh, eh, eh. There were, there were good things in that game, and it was bogged down by a bad loot system. Yeah. Um, the, I liked the I liked playing as the heroes in that game. I liked flying around as Iron Man. My buddy would play the Hulk and just run around smashing things. <laughs> just the, the sheer difference in which every hero played was really fun and the way that you could upgrade them. I hated the loot system. It, they basically strapped a Destiny 2 loot system onto that game, and it made it so, like, every single few set, every single little mission that you do, you're fighting most of the same enemies, and you get a piece of gear that's, like, one point better than what you had before. And I don't want to do that as Iron Man. That's stupid. Why would I want to do that as a hero? I just want to go beat up bad guys and and fight like the Red Skull and and Doctor Doom and shit. I don't want to min max equipment on a on a Marvel game. You know what? Um, Diablo Four beta was this weekend. It was coming this weekend actually. No, it was already this weekend. I'm sorry. We just finished it. It finished it last weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you something. People were very impressed, and they shouldn't be because. Diablo knows how to do loot grinds. It knows how to do it. Yes. Like, you're going into dungeons that actually challenge you and have interesting, like, narratives inside of them and have cool environments to explore. 
you're not just fighting the same ske- the same skeleton a hundred billion times over. But but the loot drops are excellent. It's like it's like oh I can't use this, but you can use it. Or it's like oh wow I, a new staff. Let me see what it does. Oh plus three to chain lightning. Oh man, that's great. I mean, I have this one that gives uh, plus one to uh, this other thing and this other thing, but plus three to chain lightning, uh, my sorcerer definitely wants that. And it still kind of annoys me because you can't grow attached to anything in those kind of games. Yeah, but – no, but the thing is that it has the, that little amount of this thing is going to be useful to you for a very long time, and the only thing that's going to pull you away from it is something much more badass. It isn't, oh, I'm trading a plus two for a plus three – no, it's like, oh, I'm trading my plus three for this one that does plus four, and it does this, and this. Oh, and it does life leech, too. I'm in. And then when you get the uh, legendary stuff and the unique stuff, it is that, it's that—it's even that much more thrilling in Diablo. They know yeah, how to do this. And, that, and that's kind of what I was going to get to, is that not only that, but you, you also have environments with dungeons and narratives and, and stories that are worth going through and you can bump it up to challenge yourself if you feel like you're just being you're just running into the same grind over and over again i've always liked i've always liked the world level system in in diablo and how it rewards you for leveling up further or you can just like reduce it a little bit if you're getting hit too hard and the thing is that you know people play that game over and over and over again just to get better loot and they go okay i'm done with this level i'm gonna do nightmare level i'm gonna do you know What's it called? They just I'm gonna increase the what's it called my uh, uh, my difficulty level because they just enjoy doing it so much. They've seen this lo- these acts before, but guess what? They enjoy those acts. Yeah, yeah, and and Diablo Four from the looks of things is shaping up to be a very fun time. I played a little bit of the dim- of the of the beta, and like like I said, it still has some of the issues I have about loot grind games, but it's buried under pretty dang good progression and like you said very fun equipment that actually makes you excited to explore and see what it does and uh and a pretty good and what looks like a pretty good story as well i think diablo and world of warcraft spoiled me for the loot grind because both those games made by the same people of course know how to do a loot grind that's engaging because World of Warcraft did took what Diablo did and just upped the ante and made it even better, which is why you still yeah. have people doing raids in, in that game because they wanna they wanna get that better stuff. <laughs> they wanna get the sword of a thousand truths. Although mm-hmm. in reality, the sword of a thousand truths in World of Warcraft, the real one is is kind of shitty. <laughs> but um, I refuse to play the beta for Diablo Four because I just want to play it fresh. That's why I haven't been playing uh, Baldur's Gate 3, because I've seen what it does. Okay, I'm going to wait until it's finished, then I'll really play the shit out of it. And Diablo 3 has a release? I mean, uh, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 has a release date. And I know that uh, Scott is, is excited for Baldur's Gate 3. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Scott hasn't played the, uh, the uh, early access. You're, you're definitely going to get the, uh, the release version, though, aren't you, Scott? The, the early access to what? No, I said I know you haven't been playing the early access to Baldur's Gate 3, but I know you're going to get the release version. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you just want to see how this experience compares to the previous Baldur's Gates. Um, it seems like it's going to be pretty different. 
I think you'll be comparing it to the previous Lyrian <laughs> games. Yeah, like, definitely. Uh, <laughs> um, and I know that's what I, it's, DJ, I know you're excited for Baldur's Gate 3 because it's Lyrian. Yeah. Yeah, me and Sam are still playing our way through Divinity, and we're going to try to finish that up before Baldur's Gate 3. Cool. Um, uh, and this, this is a fun note. Uh, Vampire Survivors be- beat out Elden Ring and God of War to secure uh, score best game win at the BAFTAs. And that makes me feel good because here's the thing, folks. Vampire Survivors is fun. It's unadulterated fun. When I play a video game, I intend to relax. It is not video work. It is video game. And even if the uh, it's just 30 minutes of, of a level, I'm fine with that. I just... It's always me trying to get more, you know, find the perfect combination, although it's a roguelike and random. It's just really, it's it's what video games are are meant to be. You know, just just quick, fun, and just play it again. Yeah. Um, they just re- they just announced a new DLC for it today too. Yep. Uh, the second did. expansion, mm-hmm. and uh, it looks really good. They, they're going to put eight new characters in the game, 13 new weapons, a new location. Yeah, well, what did they music. say again? It's definitely not uh, – oh, what was the name of that game? <sighs> definitely not uh, – uh, I'm sorry, Fire Emblem. Yeah, it's definitely not Fire Emblem. Because <laughs> the characters are like all very much archetypes of the Fire Emblem system where like yeah. – you know, you have a, a knight fighter, you have a you have a thief uh, archer, you have a you have a mage, and uh, <laughs> all of them have generally anime esque uh, what's it called uh, pictures. Mm. So yeah, it's definitely not Fire Emblem. <laughs> and good on uh, Pontel to be like, we're not going to make a Vampire Survivors two. We have a great DLC strategy, and we're just going to keep making new content for Vampire Survivors one because you all like it so much. I mean, that's a good idea. I mean, there's, there's really, how could you improve on it? Make the graphics better? Who wants yeah. better graphics in that game? That was part of what he, what they said was that we're not going to make, they basically said we're not going to make Vampire Survivors 2 unless we come up with a really good different idea that would warrant it. And basically, it's just a roguelike, a one-handed roguelike. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to go on to game news. 11 members of Congress argue Sony is unfairly hurting the Xbox in Japan. This comes from us from Axios. Uh, members from both sides of the aisle are pressing the Biden administration to take action on the PlayStation Xbox console camp competition in Japan. Policymakers raised concerns last week to Biden officials saying that Sony's business practices in its native Japan are blocking U.S. companies from competing in that country's gaming market and could be running afoul of U.S.-Japan uh, trade deals. The unexpected pressure became public on Thursday, which was uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, when uh, Senator Maria Cantwell, a uh, Democrat from Washington, pressed U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai on it during a trade hearing. Ten members of the House also sent two uh, letters on Thursday to Tai and Commerce uh, Secretary Gina Raimondo uh, urging action. Uh, today we write to bring your attention to the imbalanced Japanese video game market, which we're concerned may be a result of discriminatory trade practices that, leaked, leaked, that could violate the spirit of the U.S.-Japan Digital Trade Agreement said one of the letters signed by four Republicans from the House, including Carol Miller, a Republican from West Virginia, and Mike Carey, Republican from Ohio. The Republican uh, letter alleges that uh, Sony PlayStation has a 98% of the high-end console market in Japan, signs deals uh, designed to uh, keep hit uh, Japanese games coming from Microsoft's Xbox, uh, most notably uh, Final Fantasy 16, which had some news today. I think it went gold. Uh, didn't uh, Wasn't there news about Final Fantasy 16 today? Mm-hmm. They're gold. They're yep. they're done with uh, production on the game, and now all that's left to do is ship it. 
Uh, signs deals designed to keep hit Japanese. Uh, I said that already. And says such moves may violate Japan's antitrust laws. A letter to Tai Raimundo from six Democratic lawmakers from Washington State, where Microsoft is based, covers similar ground. Article 8 of the 2019 U.S.-Japan Digital Trade Agreement calls for the countries to dis- enable, quote-unquote, non-discriminatory treatment of digital products, which would include games. It is less clear if it would also pertain to game consoles. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Wait a minute. What about Nintendo? And that's Sony's fault. <laughs> because what did they do when they said uh, when people brought up Minecraft being on Nintendo and Microsoft making games like Ori on Nintendo? PlayStation said, well, they're not competition. Really now, Sony, did you just say that Nintendo doesn't matter? Well, guess what? These people jumped on that and said, oh, Nintendo doesn't matter. Well, then how come you have 98 percent of the uh, uh, market there? So Sony just dug its own grave. And here's the thing, a little bit of advice to a market leader, because Sony is a market leader in consoles, uh, and Microsoft knows this right away, uh, don't provoke. Don't make people want to come after you with the mm-hmm. bullshit things that you've been saying to the FDA and all that stuff, because all you're doing is putting the microscope on yourself now. Yeah. Jim Ryan is not good at that. <laughs> like... He is he has stuck his foot in his mouth so many times on so many major occurrences that I can think of. Whether it was the backwards compatibility situation, whether it was how much the PS5 and like the limiting issues of the PS5 when it came out, he <laughs> and and to, by the way, uh, Japan also okayed the uh, the merger with Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. So. I feel like. He, I feel, I feel like during this case, I've seen several different situations where Jim Ryan spoke on a matter and found a way to make it worse. And then you have uh, the lead developer of God of War saying that the merger would be good for gamers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just pick your battles. Jesus Christ. And we're going to get to another one later in this pod, uh, later in this podcast that Japan, uh, that Sony screwed up. And I think there was I, – I think it was pretty recent. I don't know if we ever talked about it, but there was a rumor that Jim Ryan was in a conversation where he was like, I really – I don't really don't think there's anything illegal about the Activision-Microsoft merger. I just don't want it to happen. See, here's the thing. Um, when you're complaining about exclusives and recently Sony was complaining that Starfield would be an Xbox ex- uh, console exclusive, hey, dudes – uh, what about Final Fantasy 16 and Final Fantasy 7 uh, second uh, episode? And uh, the fact that uh, Bloodborne will never be on any other console and it won't be on PC. You can imagine a lot of PC uh, players are really pissed off about that one. Since Microsoft basically forced Sony to start releasing its games on PC. As a matter of fact, um, The Last of Us Part 1 was released on PC and they just had two, their second patch for that, I believe. Um, and they're forcing, you know... And Microsoft is going around making deals with Call of Duty to everybody in sight, including two weird streamers, which I know that you were confused by because you didn't know who the hell they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, when when Google and Amazon say it's OK and basically they're the ones who are equivalent to Microsoft, then you know that. Yeah. The ones who I thought. Who like res- the one the one that like really caught my attention when it happened was when the CWA who uh, who let's not forget 
has been in constant embroiled battle with Activision Blizzard over unionization, was like, this deal will be good for everybody. <laughs> yeah. With the, fact- the CWA, who has every reason to hate Activision Blizzard at this point, is like, let it happen. Even Bobby Kotick opened his mouth about it, too. <laughs> of course, it's a big payday for him, but still, you know, yeah. even Bo- Bobby Kotick was criticizing Sony. And it's like, as I said, don't open your mouth because then people are going to look at you. You know, Sony should just get its head down, sign that friggin' Call of Duty. Here's the thing. I can't believe that was the flag they planted their uh, planted their flag on. If Microsoft makes Call of Duty exclusive, it'll ruin Sony. Really? Literally no one I know plays Call of Duty. Yeah, I don't know anyone that likes Call of Duty either. It's like and then they say um and then they say the most ridiculous thing. Well, Microsoft will make Call of Duty worse on on PlayStation. They'll intentionally make it worse. How? That is that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. Honestly, what Sony is saying is that Microsoft hates money. Mm-hmm. They will deliberately torpedo a game just so that they can piss off their users. I'm going to tell you something. If Microsoft did something like that, every single gamer across the aisle, I don't care what platform they play on, would be pillorying them for that. Yeah. It's not. It's not like. It's not like Sony made MLB The Show 23 worse on Xbox. I mean, they brag about how good it looks on Xbox Series X. You know, so the only people I know who are angry about it is uh, PC owners. And what I tell them is, you know, if you get in Game Pass Ultimate, you can stream it on your PC. So yeah, um, the thing that Sony is the angriest about is the fact that. On Microsoft service, if you have Game Pass, it's yours for free. You'll have to pay $70 if it's uh, on a PlayStation 5 and also on Xbox Series X if you don't have Game Pass. Um, although I, I I know – is Call of Duty permanently going to be a free-to-play game or is it just this one this one iteration? Uh, I have no idea. Because I can see them making Call of Duty a live service game, but I have to think they're going to have a new – you know what would be really fun? Get this. When Microsoft gets Activision Blizzard, they can tell Vince Sempella, hey guy, come home. <laughs> come home to come home to uh, in, uh, Infinity Ward. We miss you. Make a decent Call of Duty game for us. The uh, what's it called? Respawn will survive without you. Come to, come back to us. Bobby Kodak's no longer here. <laughs> He's the assholes that were running Activision Blizzard are no longer here. You can come back. Because I think you won't find a single person who doesn't think that uh, when when Vince Ampella and the other guy were with Infinity Ward, Call of Duty kicked major ass. Yeah. <sighs> Anyways, let's go to the sillier thing. The gamers lawsuit against Microsoft has been dismissed. Uh, the gamers lawsuit that was filed against Microsoft by a group of well, gamers last year has been dismissed by a judge due to their complaint not plausibly alleging any competitive effects. As shared by intellectual property analyst and Twitter user Florian Mueller... On March 20th, Judge uh, Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley ushered a motion to dismiss the so-called gamers lawsuit due to the complaint made by the plaintiff not plausibly alleging the Activision Blizzard merger, quote unquote, creates a reasonable pro- probili- probability of any competitive effects in any relevant market. Uh, this was stupid. It was 10 gamers from California and New Mexico, New Jersey. 
who just because they didn't want Microsoft owning Activision Blizzard because it offended them. And it's a, it's 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 a monopoly, dude. <laughs> yeah, this was the silliest thing. I mean, <laughs> first off, it was called the gamers' lawsuit, which is <laughs> that's. These are the guys on Twitter who always pop into Xbox News and talk about how PlayStation 5 is better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like console war people that are just like yeah. every single time. Every, anytime Fortnite makes a post, they're the first ones in there to say dead game. I, I you know, I would hope that they were just doing this for that sweet, sweet lawsuit money and nothing else. At least it would be a reason, you know, make a bit of a cash out of it. But they got ten groups of gamers together. Oh, well, there you go. That's so many gamers. Gamers rise up and whatnot. I don't know. <laughs> like, but mushed into paste because uh stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to... that it turns out even that no matter how many groups of gamers you put together, they're not all that great at forming a loss uh, a plausible lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, so sadder news. Take the uh, take the next one, TJ. Multiverse's open beta ends in June, and the game will go offline till full launch in 2024. From Shack News and IGN, Smash Bros. like Warner Brothers pl- uh, platform brawler, Multiverse's open beta is coming to an end this June. News to me, I thought it already left beta, but it didn't. Uh, it w- It's not going to be launching in June though. Instead, player first games. We'll be implementing the data collected to polish the game and prepare it for a full launch in early 2024, more than six months after this uh, hiatus. Meaning it will be off. Yeah, it will be offline for six months after the beta ends. Player First Games announced the details of Multiverse's update, upcoming hiatus on the game's Twitter, alongside a fact webpage explaining the situation. The open beta is set to close on June 25th, 2023, which after which online elements of the game will be unavailable until the game launches in full. Leading up to the beta close, updates will be paused on April 4. Uh, Multiverses... I'm sorry. uh, Multiverses will become unavailable for new downloads on digital storefronts. While online modes and matchmaking will be unavailable to players, players will still be able to enjoy uh, uh, Multiverses offline, including the training room and local matches. They will also be able to access the characters and cosmetics they have on their account. Frustrating some gamers, Player First Games confirmed that uh, players who spent money on the game throughout the open beta will not get a refund. The news comes from official Metaverse website, from the official website under the FAC. Uh, it reads, in answer to will refunds be available for the previously purchased content, this announcement does not change any current refund policies or terms offered by the storefront from which Founders Packs or Gleanium bundles were purchased. For more information, please visit the customer service support pages for PlayStation, Xbox, Steam, and Epic Games. Additionally, refunds are not available as a result of the open beta closure. However, all progress and previously earned or purchased content will carry over when Multiverses returns in early 2024. Any goodwill goodwill that they may have had just got torpedoed by this decision. What an ironic name, then. It's player-first games. (laughs) 
Here's the thing. I mean, I can understand it um, because you're not losing any money. You're still keeping whatever you bought. So it's sort of like it's an incentive for you to come back in early 2024. It's unusual. Long time. I know. It's an unusual game. It's unusual. Hiatus. Yeah. I think. I I, I think. But here's the thing. From what I understand, there were some cracks in the games. uh, uh, You know, there were some things that people had a problem with. You know, in terms of gameplay, and it's like they're going to decide how they're going to tweak that. I suppose. For for sure, progress was was brutal, like brutally hard and slow. Uh, they had only put out like one character in season two, which I think was Marvin the Martian. Uh, content was coming very slowly. Updates were coming very slowly. And I can't help but think that maybe this was a decision also by executives at WB that said we need to. We need to shift course on this because why on earth would you put a live service game on hiatus for more than six months? I wonder if that, there's a I wonder if there's a Looney Tunes movie coming out then in early 2024. I don't. I just don't know, Jonah. I think it's dead on arrival. I think it is. You know. I mean, we'll I see. think you might get some people back, but I think a lot of people are going to be super pissed off that they spent money on a Founders Pack. Imagine if I, uh, the, this, I, I really thought this game had left beta, like by the time. But it wasn't. It never left beta, apparently. Well, I mean, it was that polished, I guess. Enough to get awards at the Game Awards last year because <laughs> this game beat King of Fighters 15 at the Game Awards for best fighting game. An open beta versus a game that has had content, has been content complete, and has had additional content after the fact, and doesn't go on hiatus because it's a freaking fighting game and not a live service game. I don't know. It's interesting. This is is so scummy to me on so many levels. What if they come back with uh, double the number of characters and anybody who had, you know, the Founders Packs and all that stuff, you know, oh, you get these characters for free if 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 you were with us before. That would be goodwill, but uh, I don't know. Man. Like the, I mean, here's the thing: maybe they want to bring a crap ton of characters, but the thing you know this about fighting games, you know, you have to have play balance. So you have to make sure everybody. You don't want just you know, oh well, this character is just Superman, but with tits. You know, you don't want that. So we'll see. Here's the other thing to consider. WB Games has been kind of on the ropes for a little bit because yeah, that, that's because here's the thing. You know, that was one of the companies that people thought Microsoft might buy was Warner Brothers Games. Yeah, and uh, you know, like Gotham Knights didn't Sucked. do great. Sucked. Uh, people are really offended by what they saw from uh, Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League. Yeah, here's I the think- thing. I'm. I, before you say anything, Scott, I just have some level of goodwill because Kill the Justice League is still rock steady, and they know yeah. how to make combat. So we'll see. What I was getting at was that I think that there are things outside of uh, player first control that could actually like we, if things don't go right for WB Games in the six months that uh, that Multiverses is away. I I actually question a little bit if multiverses ever comes back. You were gonna say Does something, that, Scott? Oh, sorry. I mean, a, a game on hiatus that is not making the company money sounds like the exact thing that WB would put on the cutting room floor. Well, Warner Brothers is a large studio, so we'll see. Scott, were you gonna say something? 
Scott? Anyways. Hmm? Were you going to say something? I thought you were going to say something. Um, well, should I, am I on the uh, 11 members of Congress? Sony is on no, the no, 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 no. We, we were talking about multiverses. Which one? Never mind. Multiverses. The, the WB Smash Bros. like? Yeah, it's putting... Uh, no, don't worry about it. Do the last item. Uh, Sony PSVR 2 headset off to a slow start as Metaverse push sputters. Uh, that was part of the uh, early news was uh, also... Sony slashes PS, uh, PlayStation VR 2 output after week pre-orders. That was supposed to be part of this because uh, back in Jan- uh, January, uh, they didn't get they didn't get any um they didn't, they got far less pre-orders than they thought they would. And now, uh, Sony is projected to sell fewer than 300,000 PSVR 2 headsets in its first weeks under the market. A slow start for company efforts making a leading role in the development of the metaverse. And we're gonna get to that. Trust me. Uh, it's likely to sell about 270,000 units uh, between March, February 22nd and the end of March, according to the estimates from the research firm IDC. Sony had the lofty goal of making about 2 million units for the PSVR 2's launch window. Uh, the headset is a foundational piece of Sony's strategy to build a metaverse. Oh, God. Where people can do... Fi- you know, I'm going to stop right now. Get... Uh, no one gives a shit about the metaverse! You'd think they'd seen from from Facebook how much people wanted the goddamn metaverse. It's an empty mall that no one wants to visit. You tried PlayStation Home, do that instead. I mean, obviously you don't like PlayStation Home because you, you didn't do that again. Yeah, and I like that's not even the biggest issue that people have about the PSVR. The the two biggest things that I've seen people complain the most about about the, the PSVR price. too. The price for is one. The, pri- the price is one. And that is probably the the primary one because five hundred and fifty dollars is a lot of money to ask for a peripheral, yeah. especially when you added on another five hundred dollars buying the PS5. Right, and for some people that won't be an issue because they might already have a PS5. Yeah, but for others, you're talking about a thousand dollar price tag just to just to have all that. And the one I cannot understand is they made it incompatible with a PC. Are they yeah. fucking nuts? The only reason I still use my Quest 2 is because I can play Steam games on it. Yeah, and and I think like the other the getting to that like the other half of the the other big issue I see about the PSVR 2 is that there's a lot of people out there that still don't feel like it has a killer app yet. And that's the thing. Uh, I, I've seen yeah. a lot of people said they might buy a PSVR 2 if they had Half-Life Alex on it. That's what I was about to get to, is that they, if they were to put Half-Life Alex on this, you would have a lot of people out there that would suddenly become a lot more interested in PSVR 2. Hey, you know, you know how you could do that? Make it compatible with PC. True that. <laughs> um, and this metaverse shit. I mean, what is it with Japan... All these Japanese companies who are still on Web 3.0 and talking about NFTs and talking about cryptocurrency and talking about the metaverse. I mean, yes, the crypto coins do more in Asian countries, which is how um, FTC, was it F- no, FTX made its money was he, how Sa- Sam Bankman-Fried basically made his money was buying U.S. Bitcoin and selling it in Asian markets where it gets more higher price. But still, this is like. Why not just do pachinko machines? I really just hope that like Sony looks at what its audience is saying and, and figures out a content strategy to move more games onto the PSVR 2 because 
I still do believe it's an amazing piece of technology. I stand by the review I gave it where yeah. I, I praised it highly. I do believe that it's the next step forward for, for home VR. However, they need to meet people half. They need to figure out how to meet people better on the price and they need to get more apps onto it. That well, here's that the thing. People want to play. People might buy the PSVR 2 if they didn't own a PlayStation and just use it for PC because the best PS uh, the best VR headsets are like a thousand bucks. And if you want to make a cheaper alternative that has better graphics than the Oculus Quest or the Meta Quest 2, there you go. But I think they want to make an ecosystem for the PlayStation, and they seem to forget that, guess what? Not many people bought a PlayStation 5 because they couldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you had... PlayStation, and PlayStation 5 sales have picked up. Like, they did they did excellent in their last quarter. They sold, I think, two or three times as many PlayStation 5s in the last quarter as they did in any quarter before since the PlayStation 5 has been available. Admittedly, that wasn't very hard to do, considering. But still, I mean... Had had the had there not been a pandemic and PlayStation Five sold like the PS4, then maybe yes you could say we're gonna the PSVR two will stick to the uh, will stick to the PS and you won't have any other ecosystems. But you can't do that. You have to have it. You must do it on PC because guess what? Most people have a gaming PC, mm-hmm. or at least gamers. I mean, there's a lot more PC gamers than there are PlayStation gamers. Xbox, uh, Microsoft knows this. That's why they've been selling everything on Steam lately. Yeah, I like I agree with you about the PC thing. I wonder if at some point they would be able to figure out how to create firmware that would allow it to be attached to a PC and um, operate. I'm pretty sure it's all software based in the uh, in the in the PSVR because it's PSVR, all it's all it still uses the same connections, doesn't it? USB C. Um, yeah, it uses USB C. Then there should be no problem. The only problem is the software. The software that says, no, you can't use it, like uh, PlayStation 5 controllers won't let you play PlayStation 4 games on the PS5 with the PS5 controller. And I had to look this up because I thought I remembered seeing it, but the PSVR 2 can be connected to a PC. Just the work. issue is that the only thing it does right now is work in cinema mode. Which, so like, it can connect, and it can turn on, and it can operate. You're just not getting the PSVR2 experience, you or, just, or you can't really play P. You can't really play VR games with it. Yet. You just need to be able to have that patch on the RAM in the PSVR before it allows that. Then once that patches in, it's like, oh, you want to play P? Okay, sure, let's do it. Yeah, it's and just, I think that level of versatility is something that Sony seriously needs to consider because they have they are sitting on the answer to Meta. I I wholly hearted I wholeheartedly believe that. Sure. They need to support this and give it the wings it needs if they want it to move. Lord knows when the MetaQuest 3 is coming, if it ever comes out. I, I'm starting to lose faith that the MetaQuest 3 is ever coming out. Yeah, because, I mean, Facebook just did a lot of cuts to their own VR department. Yeah, and the, the, the MetaQuest Pro is a $1,200 headset. That isn't appreciably better than the MetaQuest 2. It's not. Uh, it's not built for gaming either. It's built for bullshit. Built for bullshit business meetings. It's just VR could be something. You know, it's always going to be niche. It's if always going to be niche. If you come up with more interesting places than you know the bank, then maybe 
you know, but for right now, it's just they think of boring things to put on there that nobody wants to go to in real life, let alone a virtual world. Yeah, and if I want to have a meeting, I'll just have a meeting. I don't need to slap out. Zoom meetings are fine. I don't need them to be in VR. But like I said, they – they're too concentrated in creating an ecosystem. Microsoft has always had a heads up on them because they have Windows. So mm-hmm. they're always going to have a heads up of creating an ecosystem. PlayStation has to realize, yeah, we're a video game company and we need to diversify. And, hey, if PC gamers want to use the, uh, the PlayStation uh, VR 2 to play Steam games, we should make it able. We will sell them. We will sell tons of them. We'll sell tons of them, you know, and then you don't have to whine about Half-Life Alex not being on PlayStation because you don't need it on PlayStation. Or what was that other game, Bullet? Uh, what was the name of that other uh, shooter that w- that's on uh, on Steam? Remember uh, Bone Storm? Like the really, really good one? Boneworks? Yeah. Boneworks, that's the name of the game. Yeah, or Boneworks. That would be a killer app, too. Yeah, I would I would play Boneworks on there. Yeah. Um, Right now, the one, the biggest thing on my radar is that Capcom is getting ready to do a VR mode for Resident Evil 4. Cool. And I really hope that that is even close to what how fun it, it was to play uh, the RE4 VR remake. I'm waiting for them to announce the uh, Resident Evil 5 remake. But man, like they're put figure out how to put Half-Life Alex on PSVR 2. The moment yeah. you do that, you crack the code. Well, it's very easy. Just allow them to play, <laughs> to have a PC link. That's yep. that's the quickest way, and Valve will love you for it. Yep. I mean, uh, I finally got to play the uh, Psychonauts uh, VR game like a couple, uh, like a year ago, with my because I have the Quest too. I wonder if PlayStation hates the idea that if you could connect a PSVR two to a PC, then you might not buy a PS five. Well. It's sort of true, but then they have to understand that the people weren't going to buy a PS5 no matter what. <laughs> yeah. They weren't going to buy a PS5 no matter what. So you should ignore that and just understand, hey, they're buying your $500 device that may be expensive for a console owner. For a PC owner, that's half price. Oh. That's a half price PS5. That, that is a half price VR headset for, for a PC owner because they either have the Oculus Quest which actually raised from 300 to $400, unfortunately, which is which doesn't have the best resolution. Or you get the HTR Vive, which has a fantastic resol- resolution, but it requires so many wires and buttons and all that stuff, you know, just to have a higher resolution. Or the Steam VR, which is, eh, okay. Yeah. But do you think that Steam is angry that people are using their, 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 their Vives and their... And their quests to play Steam games? No, the Steam inde- the Steam index is like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred dollars. I think they realize full well that if people are still buying VR games on Steam, then they're still making money. Yeah, I mean, I haven't played Half Life Alex yet. I know Pillarimi and all that stuff. I, I don't care. <laughs> but when I do, I'll be able to play it because I have a quest too, and I won't have to, you know, spend gobs of money on the uh, on the on Steam VR. Like I said, $500 for a VR headset for a PC gamer is dirt cheap. Dirt cheap. We have, remember, PC game owners are going to buy uh, spend $500 to $1,000 for a graphics card. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, 
Yeah, I, I hope I, I really do hope Sony figures something out with this because I would absolutely oh, be <laughs> heartbroken if right. they gave up support on PSVR two because they couldn't get it to sell the way they oh, wanted to. Right now, I think they're more concerned about the U.S. government. <laughs> Now the U.S. government is looking at them with a, a shady eye. Sony better realize that they're a Japanese company, not a U.S. company. So U.S. lawmakers have no reason to love them. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, uh, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net. Along with industry news and our gaming history articles, we enjoy feedback. Send us comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also to, uh, hit us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some iTunes comments. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at uh, Shard of More. And you won't see us next week because I won't be around. Uh, I will be back on the 11th, so maybe uh, the next podcast will be on the uh, 12th or 13th. Anyways, uh, we will see you another time. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all.